Welcome to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast, where we provide revolutionary training materials to individuals, healing practitioners, leaders, and influencers globally. Your kingdom destiny awaits, and it all begins with a mindset. Well, hello and welcome to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast. My name is Dr. Jessica Rothmeyer, and today I will be wrapping up a three-segment topic of common false worldly beliefs that cause oppression and destruction in our modern society. In today's episode entitled, Do Not Love the World, I would like to discuss how the secular messages of today form a narrative that only fuels unhealthy, unbiblical lifestyles such as, you do you, you only live once, follow your heart, buy the dress, eat the cake, go on vacation. The amount of advertising that our minds are exposed to each and every day breeds a constant discontentment in humankind, suggesting that unless they are upgrading their home, their car, or their wardrobe, they must be losing at life. And the effects that social media and worldly indoctrination has caused in the mental and emotional health of our younger generation and that of the older generation is devastating. It is evident globally in such issues as identity confusion, sexual promiscuity, poor life coping skills, and suicidal rates that are at an all-time high. As a professional counselor and someone who is fascinated with observing human interactions, it is amazing to me how the general public continues to be duped by worldly promises that never come to fruition. And granted, in the last couple of years, I think a lot more people are awakening to the truth. But overall, on a global scale, most people continue to live by worldly standards and false doctrines that will always lead them down a path of human suffering. The world tries to assure you that if you just feed the desires of your flesh, you will be happy. If you just get someone to love you, that people will recognize you for your accomplishments, or perhaps you achieve some type of fame or notoriety at a substantial level, then, then your life will be great. I assure you, from counseling everyone from pastors to beauty queens to politicians, that never turns out to be the case. And yet we try and try again to go to another party or seek fun of any kind, to follow the next health trend or to practically kill ourselves in order that we might gain material wealth, all in attempts to achieve a few moments of pleasure or contentment. The world has tried to create an ideology that says you were born with certain fleshly desires and you should let those inner desires lead you in making your life choices. Everything from what mood you're going to be in today to deciding which person you're going to marry or simply the next person with whom you'll have sex or perhaps it's how much money you're going to spend that day. Whatever makes yourself feel better. But really, making those decisions from a place in your heart or in your carnal mind, that which is not being led by the Holy Spirit. What is ironic to me is how often we try out these theories, and they simply do not work, or at least the feelings of satisfaction do not last. And then we are on to the next thing, hoping that whatever that is might give us a few more moments of pleasure. 
Humankind has been seeking to quench its mortal thirst since the Garden of Eden. It was a selfish, fleshly desire that led Adam and Eve to commit that fatal sin. There are three distinct components of our broken human ego that are crucial for us to understand. In order to walk in freedom and truly live out the spiritually fulfilling life God would have for each of us. As I've discussed in several of the past episodes, biblical truth is often the opposite to that of what this world teaches. Scripture reassures us not to lean on our own understandings, that our heart is wicked and from it flows all issues of life. So no wonder why the world we live in today is such a mess as the majority of its inhabitants are living by worldly standards rather than living from godly standards, choosing to view their life from a kingdom perspective. So, in order for us to understand how the world's path will always lead to destruction, let's take a look at 1 John 2, verses 15-17 through from the ESV, and from which I took today's show title. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So according to these verses, those who love the world, that seek to find personal pleasure and stay blinded to the most important purposes for their life, God the Father is not in them. This is biblical truth, folks. So even if a person claims to be a Christian, which can be a label that is easily voiced, but not easily authenticated, And if they have a life in which they eagerly seek to meet the desires of their flesh, they are not in right relationship with the Lord, and literally, they do not have God in them. For as we press into an intimate relationship with Christ, the desires of our flesh and the superficial promises of this world become completely unappetizing. And as much as we might read it in our Bibles— hear it in a great worship song, and even teach godly doctrine to others? Do we truly live our lives knowing that the world is passing away with all of its fleshly desires? And in the end, the only thing that truly matters is your relationship with God, because that is eternal, and His promises are ones that bring true and everlasting fulfillment. So let's break down each of these areas of warning and how to be alert to these worldly temptations so we might turn away as quickly as possible to not be led down a a path that leads to heartbreak, disappointment, discontentment, and sickness of every kind in our souls. So the first area that John points out is the desires of the flesh. This was played out in the garden when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was a desire to have what they were told they couldn't have, a fleshly longing that was yearning to be satisfied. I'm sure they both thought if God told them not to eat it, then it must be very special, which we all know when someone says you can't have it, it really makes you want it all the more. How many issues of life 
does this first area of warning truly pertain to? I think the list could be endless, but here are a few. The first that comes to mind is sex. There is a mystery and a certain level of forbiddenness to the act of sex that makes people, even at a very young age, curious about it. Why is it such a secret? Why is it made to be taboo and yet not? Because sexual scenes are playing out before our very eyes everywhere we look. From shows and movies on TV to easily accessible pornography to the way in which people dress today. More and more, the message of the world has become you can have sex when you want, with whomever you want, and it is quickly losing the sacredness God intended for this blessed gift to be. To only occur between one man and one woman in a covenant relationship called marriage. Because of the intense bonding effect it has both in the natural and in the supernatural. But due to how the world has perverted the truth about sexuality, it has become a major avenue for unhealthy relationships, dysfunctional lifestyles, and mental illness of every kind, all rooting from the lust of the flesh. Other lusts include things like alcohol, food, drugs, prescription pills, gambling, over-exercising or plastic surgery due to wanting the perfect body, fulfilling the need to be physically desired by others. Anything that feeds the demand of the physical body. And because even Christians have fallen to the lies of this world, it becomes harder and harder to live a holy and righteous lifestyle, one in which people would exhibit the more difficult and yet life-giving traits of patience self-control, and self-sacrifice. And then the second area of warning is the desires or the lust of the eyes. In the garden, Adam and Eve had experienced all of the wonderful things paradise had to offer. They had lush landscapes, all the food they could eat, and they literally walked with God in the cool of the evening. And yet, when their eyes perceived what they might be missing out on, That if by eating of the tree of good and evil, they might gain some further insight, something that had not yet been seen or experienced, well then, that's what they wanted. They were not satisfied with any level of mystery or willing to endure the uneasiness that comes with not knowing. We continue to struggle with this lustful desire to this day. The lust of the eyes is describing what we see and perceive to be our reality, the earthbound circumstances we endure on a daily basis. Due to this unknown in life and the mysteries of God, people often walk in ignorance, choosing to only believe what they perceive through their desires of their eyes, which leaves them filled with anxiety, fear, and typically an attitude to reject all things godly, with a motto such as, if I can't see it, then I don't believe it to be true. This is what happens when we choose to live from a worldly mindset rather than a Christ-centered one. Through our human lenses, we see perfect little filtered lives on social media. We are constantly comparing ourselves to others. Mainstream media reminds us that we will never find true happiness, and stealthy marketing convinces us that we are quickly aging and rapidly losing our grip on life. The desires of the eye cause us to be jealous, 
to judge people before we know them. And it causes so much undue suffering as people become hyper-focused on the things that they cannot have or do not have control over, believing that there is not contentment in life unless we can see our circumstances improving. But from a kingdom perspective, we choose to see through the eyes of Christ. We love one another because he first loved us. We know all the things of this world, even our greatest suffering, is only momentary. And we trust that there are certain things that we are not to see, hear, or understand. Letting go of control and the anxiety that comes with it. And simply putting our trust in the one who works all things together according to his will. We can set our eyes on eternity and know that is the only reality worth focusing on. We are often reminded by God's word that this world is not our home. We are visitors, aliens really, just passing through, and that we must walk by faith, not by sight. And the final area of warning, the one in which causes people to be pulled from abiding in the Father more than any other sin, that is the pride of life. In the garden, Satan tempted Eve to eat of the tree because he convinced her that God was keeping something from her. That if she ate the fruit from the tree, she could be like God. Which was such a deceptive lie because she was already like God, made in his image. And then that Adam would eat of it as well because he didn't want his wife to obtain wisdom or power that he didn't have. Satan is an expert in the area of pride, because it is his main mode of operation. He was cast down from heaven because of his pride, in the ways he wanted to challenge God, to attain a position he was never meant to have. And to this day, Satan and his evil army of influence continue to tempt God's people into wanting a position they were not meant to have, one where they feel powerful, all-knowing, believing they have wisdom and intellect above that of others, perhaps even beyond that of God himself. And then pride causes them to desire to receive adoration, glory, and the affirmations of man. The pride of life is such a sneaky, slippery slope. It is much more common than one would think. Many people, Christians or not, would claim they're not prideful, They are not arrogant, nor do they consider themselves better than others. But their self-righteous attitudes, their words of criticism, and their dismissive actions would suggest otherwise. This area that John writes about expresses the greatest issue in our world today, being self-centered and self-focused. That is pride. Whether you are on one end of the spectrum, where you're feeling sorry for yourself, stuck in depression, or being self-condemning, or you're on the other end where you are longing to be the best, to be noticed, to achieve something big, or to be recognized for your efforts. These things are all promoted as good and healthy. It's the way of functioning in our modern society. But they are truly nothing short of a death sentence. There is no genuine fulfillment or lasting joy that can come from focusing on self. The road to a life more abundant is to reject all things worldly, to deny self 
and submit your life completely to the God of the universe, to acknowledge that he is the only one worthy of honor and glory, that every single thing a person achieves on this earth that is weighted with worth, with loving kindness, with impact for the betterment of humankind, it's always from him. He might facilitate these acts through you, but it was always him. And until a person lives their life from this lowly, humble position of submission, the life Jesus demonstrated for us during his time on the earth, this is the only path to abiding with the Father for all of eternity. It is true, my friends. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter will be many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Matthew seven thirteen through 14. I'm praying these words of warning from the book of 1 John resonate deeply in your soul and that the Holy Spirit continues to give you further wisdom and revelation in how to deny the lust of your flesh, the desires of your eyes, and the pride of life, keeping you from the path of destruction and redirecting you back into the arms of Jesus. Detoxing our minds to not think like the world is a never-ending task, but I assure you, it is worth it. Your eternity depends on it. If you're finding this podcast helpful, I would encourage you to share it with others and to go to my website, kingdommindset.global. I'll put the link in the show notes for today. And check out some of my resources, online classes, sign up for my newsletter, and perhaps become a partner or make a one-time donation if you would like to support the mission and vision of Kingdom Mindset, which is to restore biblical standards to the nations and to see all lives set free. Join me next week as I discuss the importance of experiencing healing through divine power. Until then, be blessed in your mind and in your spirit. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Mindset Podcast. Hey, if you enjoyed today's teaching, I would invite you to subscribe to the show and share it with others to bring healing and transformation to the lives of those around you.